This is Whole Backstage Live, and you're listening to our 13 Days of Halloween. Taken from Catherine Tucker Wyndham's 13 Alabama Ghosts and Jeffrey. This first compilation of Alabama ghost stories brings you famous ghosts and locations from throughout the mid to late 1800s. Shadows of the unrest which plagued the South during the Civil War. You can still visit some of these locations even to this day. Others have long since been reclaimed by the earth and trees and creeping vines. Thirteen individual readers will share with you these stories of love lost, unbearable tragedy, unsettled ghostly apparitions, and untimely death. Look for a new episode daily until October 31st. A young woman pines for her lover and awaits news of his fate in battle in The Faithful Vigil at Carlisle Hall. Carlisle Hall does not conform to the accepted notion of a southern plantation home. It has no white columns, no broad verandas, no delicate iron grillwork trim. Instead, it is a solid, sensible structure made of a brick and trimmed in pale pink fieldstone. Its doors and windows are arched, and its plain balcony with the copper-roofed overhang is more oriental than Grecian. There is little in the appearance of Carlisle Hall to suggest that it has a ghost, yet there is somehow a vague atmosphere of gloomy foreboding about this place. Carlisle Hall looks almost exactly as it did when it was completed in 1837. Edwin Kenworthy Carlisle chose for the site of his home on a hilltop covered with oaks and hardwoods, some of which still shade the house today. Ten years in the building, the dwelling is a short distance off the main highway, about a mile west of Marion and Perry County. The brick and the sandstone used in building Carlisle Hall were imported from Europe, probably coming over as ballast in ships docking in Mobile. Thousands and thousands of bricks were used to build the 18-room house with its 28-inch thick walls. Carlisle did not skimp on the bricks nor on the fine oak woodwork used in the doors, the stairways, and the wainscoting. Even the mortar was the finest available and is still in perfect condition today. It was in this massive house that Anne Carlisle was born, that she grew up to young womanhood, and that she died. And it is here that her weeping ghost still wanders. Anne had a carefree childhood, building playhouses under the shady oaks, sitting on the steps of the brick kitchen, which was separated from the house by a short walkway to listen to songs and stories composed for her pleasure by the cook and the yardman, dressing up in frills and ruffles to pass the napkins when her mother served tea to afternoon callers, riding her pony with her father in the fields, or perhaps best of all, climbing the spiral staircase up to the square tower room that dominates Carlisle Hall. Here in the tower with its triple windows on all four sides, Anne and her playmates spent many happy hours. The tower was Anne's favorite room at Carlow Hall. As she grew older, she loved to go up to the tower. She would sit for hours on the broad window ledge, gazing out across the countryside and dreaming of romantic dreams of the future. In those dreams was a young man, a neighbor. As children, they played together around Carlow Hall's spacious ground and in the tower room, and they had laughingly talked of marriage when they get big. Now they were big, grown up, 
and again they talked of marriage. It was not a game this time though, not a bit of playtime fantasy to laugh about. The Civil War had begun. Their plans for marriage were tinged with uncertainty and sadness, and sometimes Anne would wonder if they would ever again share such a carefree laughter as they had known in childhood. Anne's lover had been among the first from Perry County to volunteer for service in the Confederate Army. Although he and Anne were deeply in love, they felt they could not marry until the war had ended. They had discussed plans for their future again and again, and always the young man said, don't worry, Anne, the war won't last long. I'll soon be back home, and we can have the wonderful wedding we used to talk about when we were children playing in the tower room. Remember, you just wait for me. And Anne promised to wait. Before he rode off to join the Confederate forces, the gray-clad youth paid a final visit to Carlisle Hall to say goodbye to Anne. As was frequently done by affluent young Southerners going off to war, Anne's lover took his personal servant with him, a slave named Big Tom. Big Tom waited at the curving approach to Carlisle Hall that day while his master talked to Anne and told her goodbye. During that final conversation, the couple agreed that Big Tom would return to Carlisle Hall to bring news of his master after the first battle ended. Anne believed with a nearly fanatic obsession that if her lover was not harmed during his first battle, he would be spared to return to her when the war was over. He, being a realistic man, probably did not share Anne's belief, but he humored her by agreeing to the plan. If you are all right, let Big Tom come riding back, waving a white flag. If you have been killed, God forbid, let him carry a red flag. I'll be watching from the tower window. And so began Anne's week of vigil. Each morning, she climbed the narrow stairs to the tower room, where she sat on the window ledge hour after hour, looking across the treetops to the road that leads up to the hill to Carlisle Hall. Her maid brought her meals up to her, and members of her family joined her frequently to talk with her and thus help pass the time. But so intent was Anne on watching for Big Tom to arrive with his message that she was so scarcely aware of the food or of the companionship. Only when it grew too dark to see the road, she would come down from the tower room. One day at noon, while Anne was eating her solitary meal, she heard the sound of a horse approaching Carlisle Hall at a full gallop. She threw her tray to the floor and hurried to the window. She knew with a strange certainty the horseman was Big Tom bringing her a message. Now, after weeks of waiting, Anne was filled with a sense of dread and foreboding so great that only by exerting the strongest willpower could she force herself to look out at the clearing where the rider would first come into sight. As she made herself look, Big Tom rode into the clearing. Over his head fluttered a dark red flag. For a moment, Anne stood hypnotized, unable to take her eyes off the approaching red flag. Then, calling her dead lover's name, she flung herself over the stairwell and fell down through the spiral stairwell to the hall, three floors below. When her father, who had heard her scream, reached her, Anne was dead. Many families have occupied Carlisle Hall since Anne's tragic death, and for long periods of time, it has stood empty. Yet even now, after more than 100 years, the cries of Anne Carlisle can still be heard as she goes to join her lover in death. You have been listening to Holback Stage Live and our 13 Days of Halloween. This story has been told by Laura Snap. Tune in tomorrow for another Alabama Ghost Story.
This has been a production of the Hoback Stage Inc. and Hoback Stage Live on WBSL Radio. Please, please, please take the time to visit our website and check the show description for a link to all of our social media. Follow us for upcoming events and announcements about what you can look forward to on our production calendar. Contact this show at holbackstagelive at gmail.com for sponsorship opportunities. Imagine your name reaching all of our listeners through our episodes. I know, crazy, right? Thank you for listening. Keep coming back and stay kind.